So we're continuing our reading of the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. Sri Nityanandam Ishvaram Yasetchayatat Swarupam Agnain Napi Nirupyate. Let me offer my obeisances to Lord Nityananda, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, whose opulence is wonderful and unlimited by his will. Even a fool can understand his identity. Jai Jai Shri Chaitanya Jai Nityananda Jai Dvaita Chandra Jai Gaurabhakta Vrinda All glories to Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, all glories to Lord Nityananda, all glories to Advaita Acharya, and all glories to all the devotees of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. E Shat Shloke Kahila Krishna Chaitanya Mahima Pancha Shloke Kahinitananda Tato Sima. I have described the glory of Sri Chaitanya, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, in six verses. Now, in five verses, I shall describe the glory of Lord Nityananda. Sarva Avatari Krishna Swayam Bhagavan Tahar Dvitiya Deha Sri Balaram. The Supreme Personality of God in Krishna is the fountainhead of all incarnations. Lord Balaram is his second body. Purport, Lord Sri Krishna, the, the Absolute Personality of God, it is the primeval Lord, the original form of Godhead, and his first expansion is Balaram. The Personality of Godhead can expand himself in innumerable forms. The forms that have unlimited potency are called Swamsha. And forms that have limited potency, the living entities are called vibhinangsha. Ekai sarup dohe bina matrakai adyakai vyuha krishna lila sahai. These two are one and the same identity. They differ only in form. Lord Balaram is the first bodily expansion of Krishna, and he assists in Lord Krishna's transcendental pastimes. Purport. Balaram is a Shwamsha, expansion of the Lord, and therefore there is no difference in potency between Krishna and Balaram. The only difference is their bodily structure. As the first expansion of Godhead, Balaram is the chief deity among the first quadruple forms. And he is the foremost assistant of Sri Krishna in his transcendental activities. She Krishna Navadipe Sri Chaitanya Chandra She Balaram Shange Shri Nityananda. That original Lord Krishna appeared in Navadip as Lord Chaitanya, and Balaram appeared with him as Lord Nityananda. Sankarshana Karana Tohashai, Garbodashai Chapayobdishai, Sheshascha Yasyam Shakalasa Nityanandakirama Sharanam Mamastu. May Sri Nityananda Ram be the object of my constant remembrance. Sankarsana, Sheshanaga, and the Vishnus who lie on the Karna Ocean, Garbha Ocean, and Ocean of Milk are his plenary portions and the portions of his plenary portions. Purport, Sri Surup Damanar Goswami has recorded this verse in his diary to offer his respectful obeisances to Lord Nityananda Prabhu. 
This verse also appears as the seventh of the four, first f- 14 verses of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So Srila Sh- Srup Damodar was a, an intimate associate of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. In fact, when he heard that Mahaprabhu had taken sannyasi, ran off like a madman, and later came back to Mahaprabhu <laughs> and uh, was especially with him in his later pastimes <clears throat> in the Gambira, along with Ramananda Roy. So how fortunate we are to have an entry from his diary, which uh, gives us an inside view into the internal energy. Text 8, Sri Balaram Gosai Mula Sankarshan Pancharupa Dari Karina Krishna Sebana. Lord Balaram is the original Sankarsana. He assumes five other forms to serve Lord Krishna. Apani Karina Krishna, Lilara Sahai Shristi Lila Karya Kare Dari Chari Kai. He himself helps in the pastimes of Lord Krishna and it is the work of creation in four other forms. Shrishtyadika seva tar agnar palana sheshrupe kare krishtera bibidasevana. He executes the orders of Lord Krishna in the work of creation. And in the form of Lord Shesha, he serves Krishna in various ways. Purport, according to expert opinion, Balaram, as the chief of the original quadruple forms, is also the original Sankarsana Balaram, the original Sankarsana. Balaram, the first expansion of Krishna, expands himself in five forms. One, Mahasankarsana. Two, Kanadadakshai. Three, Garbadakshai. Four, Shiradakshai. And five, Shesha. These five plenary portions are responsible for both the spiritual and material cosmic manifestations. In these five forms, Lord Balaram assists Lord Krishna in his activities. The first four of these forms are responsible for the cosmic manifestations, where Shesha is responsible for personal service to the Lord. Shesha is called Ananta, or unlimited, because he assists the personality of Godhead in his unlimited expansions by performing an unlimited variety of services. Sri Balaram is the servitor Godhead who serves Lord Krishna in all affairs of existence and knowledge. Lord Nityananda Prabhu, who is the same servitor Godhead, Balaram, performs the same service to Lord Goranga by constant association. Sarva Rupe Asvadai Krishna Sevananda She Balaram Gora Shange Nitananda. In all the forms, he tastes the transcendental bliss of serving Krishna. That same Balaram is Lord Nityananda, the companion of Lord Gorosundar. Saptama Shlokira Arto Kari Chari Shloke. Jate Nityananda Tato Jane Sarva Loke. I have explained the seventh verse in four subsequent verses. By these verses, all the world can know the truth about Lord Nityananda. Maya Tite Vyapi Vaikunta Loke Purnaishvarye Sri Chaturvyuhamadye 
Rupam Yasudpati Sankarshanakyam Tamshi Nityananda Ramam Prapadye. I surrender to the unto the lotus feet of Srinityananda Ram, who is known as Sankarshana in the midst of the Chaturvyuha, consisting of Vasudev, Sankarshana, Pradyumna, and Aniruddha. He possesses full opulences and resides in Vaikuntha Loka, far beyond the material creation. Purport. This is a verse from Sri Swarup Damodar Goswami's diary. It appears as the eighth of the f- first 14 verses of Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. Prakritira para paravyoma nami tam Krishna vigraha jaiche vibhutyadi gun, gunavan. Beyond the material nature lies the realm known as paravyoma, the spiritual sky. Lord, like Lord Krishna himself, it possesses all transcendental attributes such as the six opulences. According to Sankhya philosophy, the material cosmos is composed of 24 elements. The five gross material elements, the three subtle material elements, the five knowledge-acquiring senses, the five active senses, the five objects of sense-pleasure, and the Mahatattva, the total material energy. Empiric philosophers unable to go beyond these elements speculate that anything beyond them must be avyakta, or inexplicable. But the world beyond the 24 elements is not inexplicable, for it is explained in the Bhagavad Gita as the eternal sanata nature. Beyond the manifested and unmanifested existence of material nature, vyakta vyakta is the sanata nature, which is called paravyoma, or the spiritual sky. Since that nature is spiritual in quality, there are no qualitative differences there. Everything there is spiritual, everything is good, and everything possesses the spiritual form of Sri Krishna. That spiritual sky is the manifested internal potency of Sri Krishna. It is distinct from the material sky manifested by his external potency. So let's just look at the first paragraph. There's a way in which through physics and the Sankhya system, Empirically, one can evaluate the various elements. However, the way of evaluation is very important. How we investigate something will determine the result. If we have only one tool to evaluate, for instance, if we're using a hammer, we can only discover nails uh, if you're only looking if you only have a speedometer and you go around measuring everything you can only measure the, the speed of things uh, so similarly the the scientific method of observing the world emp- empirically empiricism is empiric That means um, a person who in medicine or other branches of science relies solely on observation or experiment. Coming from empericia, experience, and piera, by experiment, trial and experiment. Then 
the conclusion that um, scientists come through using mathematics, which which cannot define consciousness. Mathematics is a tool that is not sufficient to understand consciousness. Therefore, by examining the world empirically, one comes to the conclusion that there is no consciousness, and therefore you have to uh, jam various theories in order to make it work. For instance, uh, one of the modern theories is that the various chemical combinations in the brain create sensation and also, uh, as, as an aggregate, create consciousness. But uh, there's no way to prove this, actually. However, then we, we might say that, um, what is your methodology? There's a, there's a different uh, tool uh, that we use through Shabda, Shabda Pramanam. By hearing from the perfect authority who comes from beyond the dimensions of this world, one can ascertain uh, the truth. And it requires certain laboratory conditions. For instance, one must be a surrendered soul, open to hearing the truth. One must be nonviolent. And uh, Krishna goes on with 17 other various uh, conditions that the laboratory must be in in order to receive this transcendental knowledge, this Shabda, Shabda Pramanam, evidence of the higher reality. So the fact that modern science can't discover it is a product of their investigatory method, which is limited. So Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is teaching uh, the method through which one can actually understand uh, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Can I see it again? Yeah. And at the last part of that paragraph, beyond the manifested and unmanifested existence of Material nature of yaktav yakta is the sanatan nature, which is called the paravyoma or spiritual sky. Since that nature is spiritual in quality, there are no qualitative differences there. Everything there is spiritual, everything is good, and everything possesses the spiritual form of Sri Krishna himself. That spiritual sky is the manifested internal potency of Sri Krishna. It is distinct from the material sky manifested by his external potency. The material sky is bhutva bhutva praliyate. It's manifested and unmanifested constantly. In fact, we're sitting on the edge of a cataclysm at every second here in the material world. It's uh, imploding as we as we sit on it and re-manifesting before our eyes, which is quite startling. Of course, when it ha it's happening slowly at every second, when it happens fast through a tsunami or an earthquake, then we become startled by it. But make no mistake, it's constantly being destroyed and recreated. So this is the unstable atmosphere of the material world. Jesus said, don't build your house upon sand. However, there is, Krishna says, a world that is permanent. 
It's not manifested and unmanifest. And uh, by hearing, we can understand the difference. We can know where we are and we can know the process of how to transfer ourselves from this temporary material sky to the internal potency of the spiritual world. Continuing with the second paragraph, the all-pervading Brahman composed of the impersonal glowing rays of Sri Krishna exists in the spiritual world with the Vaikuntha planets. We can get some idea of that spiritual sky by a comparison to the material sky for the rays of the sun in the material sky can be compared to the Brahma Jyoti, the glowing rays of the personality of Godhead. In the Brahma Jyoti, there are unlimited Vaikuntha planets, which are spiritual and therefore self-luminous, with a glow many times greater than that of the sun. The personality of God is Sri Krishna. His innumerable plenary portions and the portions of his plenary portions dominate each Vaikuntha planet. In the highest region of the spiritual sky is the planet called Krishnaloka, which has three divisions, namely Dwarka, Mathura, and Goloka, or Gokula. To a gross materialist, this kingdom of God, Vaikuntha, is certainly a mystery. But to an ignorant man, everything is a mystery for want of sufficient knowledge. One of the great uh, Prabhupada's zingers, I'll read it again for your appreciation and consumption. The, to, to a gross materialist, this kingdom of God, Vaikuntha, is certainly a mystery. But to an ignorant man, everything is a mystery for want of sufficient knowledge. The kingdom of God is not a myth. Even the material planets which float over our heads in the millions and billions are still a mystery to the ignorant. Material scientists are now attempting to penetrate this mystery, and a day may come when the people of this earth will be able to travel in outer space and see the very gaugeness of these millions of planets with their own eyes. In every planet, there is as much material variegatedness as we find in our own planet. This planet Earth is but an insignificant spot in the cosmic structure. Yet foolish men puffed up with false sense of scientific advancement have concentrated their energy in the pursuit of so-called economic development on this planet, not knowing of the variegated economic facilities available on other planets. According to modern astronomy, the gravity of the moon is different from that of Earth. Therefore, one who goes to the moon will be able to pick up large weights and jump vast distances. In the Ramayan, Hanuman is described as being able to lift huge weights as heavy as hills and jump over the ocean. Modern astronomy has confirmed that this is indeed possible. The disease of the modern civilized man is his disbelief of everything in the revealed scriptures. Faithless non-believers cannot make progress in spiritual realization for they cannot understand the spiritual potency. The small fruit of a banyan contains hundreds of seeds and in each seed is the potency to produce another banyan tree with the potency to produce millions more of such fruits. This law of nature is visible before us, although how it works is beyond our understanding. This is but an insignificant example of the potency of Godhead. There are many similar phenomena that no scientist can explain. Everything, in fact, is inconceivable, for the truth is revealed to the proper persons. 
Although there are varieties of personalities, from Brahma down to the insignificant ant, all of whom are living beings, their development of knowledge is different. Therefore, we have to gather knowledge from the right source. Indeed, in reality, we can get knowledge only from the Vedic sources. The four Vedas, with their supplementary Puranas, the Mahabharata, the Ramayana, and their corollaries, which are known as Smritis, are all authorized sources of knowledge. If we are at all to gather knowledge, we must gather it from these sources without hesitation. Revealed knowledge may in the beginning be unbelievable because of our paradoxical desire to verify everything with our tiny brains. But the speculative means of attaining knowledge is always imperfect. The perfect knowledge propounded in the revealed scriptures is confirmed by the great Acharyas who have left ample commentations upon them. None of these Acharyas has disbelieved in the Shastras. One who disbelieves in the Shastras is an atheist. And we should not consult an atheist, however great he may be. A staunch believer in the Shastras, with all their diversities, is the right person from whom to gather real knowledge. Such knowledge may seem inconceivable in the beginning, but when put forward by the proper authority, its meaning is revealed, and then no one, and then one no longer has any doubts about it. Sarvaga Anantabibu Vaikuntadi Dham Krishna Krishna Avatarera Tahai Vishram. That Vaikuntha region is all pervading, infinite, and supreme. It is the resonance of Lord Krishna and his incarnations. Tahar Upari Bhage Krishna Loka Kyati Dwaraka Matura Gokula Tri Vidatve Stiti. In the highest region of that spiritual sky is the spiritual planet called Krishnaloka. It has three divisions, Dwarka, Mathura, and Gokula. Sarvopadi, Shigokula, Rajaloka, Dham, Shigoloka, Shwetadipa, Vrindavana, Nam. Shigokula, the highest of all, is also called Vraja, Goloka, Shwetadipa, and Vrindavan. Sarvaga, Ananta, Vibhu, Krishna, Tanusam, Upadhyado, Vyapiyache, Nahika, Niyam. Like the transcendental body of Lord Krishna, Gokula is all-pervading, infinite and supreme. It expands both above and below without any restriction. Purport, Srila Jiva Goswami, the great authority and philosopher in the line of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, has discussed the abode of Krishna in his Krishna Sandarbha. In the Bhagavad Gita, the Lord refers to my abode. Srila Jiva Goswami, examining the nature of Krishna's abode, refers to the Skanda Purana, which states, Yayata bhuvi vartante puryo bhagavata priya tastata santi vaikunte tatta lilartam adrita. The abodes of Godhead in the material world, such as Dwarka, Mathura, and Gokula, are facsimiles representing the abodes of Godhead in the kingdom of God, Vaikuntha Dham. The unlimited spiritual atmosphere of that Vaikuntha Dham is far above and beyond the material cosmos. This is confirmed in the Swayambhuva Tantra in a discussion between Lord Shiva and Parvati regarding the effect uh, 
of chanting the mantra of 14 syllables, there it is stated, Nanakalpa lalakirnam vaikuntam vyapakam smaret ada sambhyam gunanam cha prakriti sarvakaranam. While chanting the mantra, one should always remember the spiritual world, which is very extensive and full of desire trees that can yield anything one desires. Below that Vaikuntha region is the potential material energy, which causes the material manifestation. The places of the pastimes of Lord Krishna, such as Dwarka, Mathura, and Vrindavan, eternally and independently exist in Krishna Loka. They are the actual abodes of Lord Krishna, and there is no doubt that they are situated above the material cosmic manifestation. The abode known as Vrindavana Gokula is also known as Goloka. The Brahma Sanghita states that Gokula, the highest region of the kingdom of God, resembles a lotus flower with thousands of petals. The outer portion of that lotus-like planet is a square place known as Shwetadweep. In the inner portion of Gokula, there is an elaborate arrangement for Sri Krishna's residence with his eternal associates such as Nanda and Yashoda. That transcendental abode exists by the energy of Sri Baladev, who is the original whole of Shesha or Ananta. The Tantras also confirm this description by stating that the abode of Sri Anantadev, a plenary portion of Baladev, is called the Kingdom of God. Vrindavandam is the innermost abode within the quadrangular realm of Shwetadweep, which lies outside of the boundary of Gokula Vrindavan. According to Jiva Goswami, Vaikuntha is also called Brahmaloka. The Narda Pancharatra, in a statement concerning the mystery of Vijay, describes Tatsarvo Parigoloke Tatra Loko Pariswayam Viharet Paramanandi Govindo Tula Nayaka. The predominating, the predominator of the gopis, Govinda, the principal deity of Gokula, always enjoys himself in a place called Goloka in the topmost part of the spiritual sky. From the authoritative evidence cited by Jiva Goswami, we may conclude that Krishna Loka is the supreme planet in the spiritual sky, which is far beyond the material cosmos. For the enjoyment of transcendental variety, the pastimes of Krishna, there have, there have, there have three divisions. Okay. For the enjoyment of transcendental variety, the pastimes of Krishna there have three divisions, and these pastimes are performed in the three abodes, Dwarka, Mathura, and Gokula. <clears throat> when Krishna descends to this universe, he enjoys the pastimes in places of the same name. These places on earth are non-different from those original abodes, for they are facsimiles of those original holy places in the transcendental world. They are as good as Sri Krishna himself and are equally worshipable. Lord Chaitanya declared that Lord Krishna, who presents himself as the king, son of the king of Raja, is worshipable, and that Vrindavan Dham is equally worshipable. Okay, let's take a few reflections or questions. And we have um, from Mayank. 
He says life comes from life as opposed to prevalent modern science's belief that life comes from matter. This is explained nicely here. Empiric philosophers unable to go beyond 24 elements as per Sankhya philosophy speculate that anything beyond them must be avyakta or inexplicable. But the world beyond the 24 elements is not inexplicable for it is explained in the Bhagavad Gita as the eternal Sanatana nature. Dennis and Karina, the question here, Hare Krishna, uh, we hear sometimes from the golden line on Krishna's breast and sometimes we hear as a lock of white hair in his chest and Srivatsa. Are these the same or different marks? They're the same. Sri Madhava Mahotsava, if modern science is good, how is it that science cannot solve world problems like deforestation, pollution, species endangerment? It seems that if science and modern civilization was good, then there wouldn't be these threatening problems. What do you mean by good and who, and who is using this, this uh, phraseology that modern science is good? Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. Hare I mean, uh, I mean, meant to say that, you know, if it was, it's proposing that science can solve all these problems, disease, and <clears throat> made great progress in civilization. And <clears throat> then it seems like the progress is causing all these other problems and that they're turning around and, and saying, no, 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 we have to, how, how come they can't solve those problems? I'm just, if it's so such a good progress that they're, they're explaining or saying that it's such a wonderful thing, material progress, then how come all these problems exist and they, Blame they can't solve? Is, it, is there a, a rhetorical question? Or something you'd like me well, to? I, I just, I'll just make I, a few I would like to, on it. to hear how you. Sure. How you would. Well, ultimately, Krishna is the cause of all causes. One whose consciousness is expanded can understand causality. Uh, animals don't understand causality very well. For instance, there's. Um, there's birds in my yard. I invite them to come and butterflies and everyone else. I try to plant things and put things out that all the little critters will like. And uh, right now, the most popular spot in my garden is the, um, the fountain right outside my, right outside my kutir. It, it has a, a big stone bowl on the top and it's bubbling over with clear water uh, all, all during the day. It shuts off at night. And... Um, the birds are coming there right, even right now as I speak. Uh, they come and take their bath there. They drink the water. They hang out. I guess they talk, bird talk there, about who said what to whom. And um, then, uh, you know, it runs out of water every few days because it just evaporates. And then I fill it up again. And the other day I was realizing how they have no idea who's filling this up. They never come to my door and say, hey, thanks for the bird bath. Because they have bird brains, tiny little bird brains that don't really expand very much. And they can't understand causality. They can't say who's behind, behind something. 
And uh, the only way to expand uh, the chitta or the consciousness to understand causality, causality to be uh, so that one's uh, perspective is trenchant. Trenchant means you're, you're able to enter into causality, to look at something and understand where it's coming from, is through the process of yoga. Uh, bhakti yoga or the other forms of yoga, they expand the chitta, how? By purifying them and when one comes to the sattva guna, the expansive mode, there's uh, enough um, space so that one can actually understand more and more. There's there's something behind everything. And uh, when one's uh, <clears throat> hampered by rajas and tamas, one can't see that. One has a hard time seeing how one thing comes from another, especially in tamas. In Tamas, uh, the mode of darkness, there's no understanding of causality. There's simply, uh, I, just, I just work, I eat, I take intoxication, I go back to sleep again. And there's no thought about where anything comes from, what, what's behind the body, anything like that. Rajas, also very little, a little more activity and uh, a superficial understanding of causality, but from goodness, Satvam yet Brahma Darshanam. One starts to understand there's Brahman, there's a supreme cause behind things. So the, the means for understanding uh, the universe and uh, what's behind it and so forth has more to do with the, the discipline of yoga and being able to purify one's senses. But this science is really not known very well. A scientific method tries to use a crowbar to open up the secrets of the universe. And also the motive is wrong. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, your motive has to be, be uh, pure in order to understand. And this is modern physics also points out that, or modern scientific science in general points out there's a phenomenon. As soon as you approach the subject to try to examine it, it changes. And we can't see it the way it is because uh, we don't have such power. So Krishna tells how to get that power. So he goes on to explain these 20 items of knowledge and how to understand things. Meanwhile, Prahlad Maharaj says that in modern, modern science, and uh, let's just take medical science, and of course, Prabhupada would take the best of whatever was available in the in the mood of the snake and the mouse. So he didn't want us to go into scientific studies and try to invent medicines. But he had nothing against, in fact, he recommended that if devotees had some ailment, they take the best of what science offers right now. We're not anti-science. But uh, Prabhupada would um, not put a lot of a faith in science, but he would say that whatever is available, you can use that in Krishna service, including uh, taking the best cure that's known right now for anything, any particular thing, in order to keep the body and soul together. And um, that's uh, not a sure thing because Prahlad Maharaj says, Balasya neha sharanam pitarao nishingha nartasya chagaramu dhanvati majato nao taptasya tat pratibidir yari hanjisheshtas ta vibo tanubritam twaru pekshitanam. 
if you try to take some cure, if the Lord is Upeksha and he's not into it, it's not going to work. <laughs> and Prahlad says, furthermore, sometimes the the cure is worse than the disease itself. This is the conundrum of the material world. It's very complicated. So modern scientists and medicines and these types of investigations that go purely on an empiric level are hampered by the method of investigation being faulty. And the fact that one is contaminated by the modes of material nature obscures one's one's vision. And yes, there are uh, severe side effects from rajas and tamas. Now, tamas is a very destructive mode. And when people are in that mode, they can't help but trash the environment. They're, they're completely ignorant. Just like if you blindfold yourself and drive down the freeway, you're going to cause damage to yourself and others in blindness. So the only answer is that one has to come to light and one has to come through sattva guna through the process of Krishna consciousness. But um, sometimes there's a sense that, well, because we're devotees, therefore we're, we have to boycott all forms of, uh, of whatever products science has produced. We, we, we don't touch it. We use cell phones in Krishna service, right? Cars. There's medicines also. It's not that our religion is that we are, uh, we only take um, herbal medicine or something like that. That's also, you can you can also damage yourself taking herbal medicines and uh, things like that. So we have to be utilitarian and practical. That's the way Prabhupada was. Thank you for your important question, Srimadam Mahotsava. One from Balaram who says, in one of the purports Prabhupada writes, a staunch believer in the Shastras with all their diversities is the right person from whom to gather real knowledge. What does it mean by saying with all their diversities? Is it the diversity of different philosophies or different types of devotees or something else? A staunch believer in the Shastras with all their diversities is the right person from whom to gather real knowledge. Here it goes back to the Shastras, comma, with all their diversities, points right back to um, the Shastras. Stunts believe in the Shastras with all their diversities. Oh, it's pointing back to the uh, to the staunch believer. Well, there's a... Um, No, a staunch believer in all the Shastras with all their diversities. Yeah, I think it's pointing back to Shastras. So it just means that diversities here in this context is pointing to the fact that it's it's covering uh, of uh, various categories of knowledge. Varanti tat tat vidas tat vam yajjjjjana madvayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavaniti shabdate. There are various categories of, of knowledge. Tattvas thatnesses there are certain things that actually exist and they can be identified and a person who knows the shastra uh, will know all the all of these diversities and be able to present them and sketch out a, a clear picture of reality Bukharavinda Prabhu gives a reflection causality can't be understood by bird brain <laughs> I was thinking relation with the phrase that you have given 
uh, earlier, why me versus what is the lesson? Yeah. That also is uh, based on causality, isn't it, Mukharvinda? Ask the ability to ask this question: What is the lesson, rather than just why am I suffering? Or why me, which is not the exact same question as why am I suffering? Bhakti Yogesh, um, I many times get frustrated when I see myself getting overpassionate about things like office work, completing some tasks, etc. I sit for 12, 12 to 14 hours and later feel sad that I could have used this for Krishna's service, for my chanting, for my Srimad Bhagavatam reading. How to become dispassionate here, keeping only passion for Krishna's service? First of all, you should get up and take breaks. If you're sitting for 12, 14 hours a day, please go out and take a walk every, uh, at least every couple hours. Walk around the block, do some jumping jacks or something because sitting is the new smoking. And it's very injurious to the body. Second of all, it's good to feel sad that you, you can't be engaged in chanting and, and um, hearing. And you, you should bottle that up and, and keep that kind of as a motivation that whenever I get the chance, I'm going to bust out of here and do and and hear and chant to my heart's content. And third of all, you do what you can with what you have at the moment. And spiritual knowledge and practice is so powerful that even if you take the, the dose that you can take right now, according to your position in life, it will have its effect. So even if you get a little opportunity every day to, to hear and chant and do as you wish, then then make sure you do it. And Krishna will open up for you more and more opportunity to um, be in his service. And sometimes being held back gives you that impetus to want more and more and more. And that greed is what moves us forward. Sringararas has a reflection. I really liked how scientifically you explained the process of causality in the different modes. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Sadhu Vrindavan are the empowered incarnations of the Lord Swamsha or Vibhinamsha. They're uh, Vibhinamsha. Oh, Vibhinamsha means the um, uh, the uh, the jivas. So they're both. There are some that are uh, jiva souls that are empowered as a avesh, and others that are um, avesh or empowered incarnations for a specific duty are are also are also uh, called the Vishnu Tattva. So it really refers to the empowered incarnations have to do a lot with their specific um, area of uh, empowerment. Like Prithu Maharaj was specifically empowered to be a king and exhibit kingly opulence. Narada is, has the bhakti shakti. He's specifically empowered, first of all, to travel. He never stops wandering. Just even when he was a little boy, he wandered before he became the great Narada, as you know. And then he became Narada, and then he wandered constantly. Of course, he was cursed by Daksha, that he'd never be able to stay in one place. That's a curse that all mendicants have. You can't stay. You have to move. God, they, he, they, they caught it from Narada. But um, he has Bhakti Shakti, and there are other, uh, the various incarnations that uh, are called Avesh, or Empowered. Then we have Kota Karnava uh, with a question. Hare Krishna, thank you for the reading of CC. I'm very grateful. We read up to CC 350, August 1st. We moved to reading 5 1. 
Is it deliberate or I'm missing something? That was my question when we started, how we <laughs> jumped so far far forward. So if I understand you correctly, we're on 350. And from now on, you're the keeper of the uh, of the place, Cote Carnival. Okay, that's your new service. Because uh, we've missed a couple other times. I have no idea where we were. And um, I think our, our team took a stab at it. We might have jumped forward. Guru Hold on, Jayanti. You had you had done chapter five. Chapter five, yeah. Oh, and that's what caused the confusion. And then they continued from there. Like that's that. completely explained then. Nobody's <laughs> at fault here. It's all good. Uh, but we will go back uh, now in a second to that. And here's a question. I feel like theoretically knowing Shastra and believing that I believe it is different from truly believing it. For example, if I truly believe that the holy name is my saving grace, I'd be chanting all the time and my conviction would be very strong. However, although I do know, quote unquote, that the holy name of the Lord Hari is the only way, I feel like I truly don't believe it. There's a hidden atheism in my heart. It's mentioned in CC that the advancement of a devotee is marked by his shraddha. How do I get to truly know Shastra so that I may truly put it into practice and do better service? Harder rounds? Thank you uh, for the amazing class. Um, yes, that's that's a good question. Jiva Goswami says ultimately the, the, the perfect evidence is your direct experience of what it says in Shastra, Pratyaksha means, although we're hearing these things, until you see it for yourself, it's as Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, it's the perfection of religion because it's directly perceived. So as, as you follow the Shastra out of faith, and first of all, you know, Shastra is transcendental. And in the beginning, we start to develop faith in Shastra because it speaks to us in a voice that resonates with uh, Krishna within our heart, and we recognize that resonance, resonance uh, to be a, a divine voice. And one of the ways in which we make advancement in devotional service is called swadhyaya, which means studying the scripture. Because uh, as Patanjali mentions in his Yoga Sutras, and he, he gives swadhyaya as one of the niyams, uh, one of the personal regulations that one should uphold every day, which is hearing from the scriptures. From that, he says, you get a, a direct perception of your Ishtadev. You come uh, directly in, in contact with, with Krishna, the Lord of your heart. Uh, well, first of all, yogis, they realize Paramatma, because that's what they're after. The, uh, the jnanis, they realize the light of the Lord, Brahman. But the, the bhaktas, they will actually realize uh, Shamasundar, Radha Shamasundar. They'll see Krishna in his shaktis also, and uh, that's that's done through uh, reading Shastra and doing and chanting Japa and other kinds of devotional service. But the faith thickens. Yadrishi, Yadrishi, Shraddha, Siddhir, Bhavati, Tadrishi. Krishna says to Brahma in. Sri Brahma Samhita, Yadrishi Yadrishi Shraddha Siddhir Bhavati Tadrishi. The more that you practice, the more your faith becomes thick. It could be, it's like cooking down uh, sugarcane juice. At first it's liquid, and then it starts to uh, get sticky. And then if you keep cooking it down, it gets into rock candy. 
and hard like rock and thick. And so th faith, when we continue to cook it down, becomes uh, thicker and thicker. So adau shraddha tata sarusangata bhajana kriya tato narta nivriti sat tato nishta ruchis tata. This is the process of the thickening of faith, starting with uh, the beginning, where one has an inkling that I like devotional service. This comes, Rupa Goswami says, because of association in our previous lives. We've associated with with uh, sadhus. We've had sadhusanga, and therefore we have a, a, a predisposition towards it. So when we meet sadhus in this life, we go, oh, there's my people. Adau shraddha, then tata sadhusanga. Then what that leads to is more sadhusanga. Tabhajana kriya means initiation, as Prabhupada said earlier. Initiation means that you're actually connecting to the internal potency through the guru. Because the guru in parampara is passing down that same uh, current of internal potency through the uh, giving the diksha mantra and the instruction about the diksha mantra. And then from bhajana kriya, one starts a nartanavritti with a purifying process where there's the vidhunoti, the sorting out of all the impurities within the heart. Before I even try, uh, the, before I take a stand on anything, I don't know where I'm at. I'm just going down the river. But as soon as I say, I'm going to swim across the river, or up, up the river, then we start to see how strong the current actually is. So bhajana kriya means I'm, I, I'm swimming a different direction. I'm not just going to be carried by the current. And so then we have to struggle through the process of anarta nifriti. And then uh, as we thicken the faith and it becomes more powerful and the conviction becomes stronger shraddha shabde vishvas kahi sudrida nishchoy krishne bhakti koila sarva karma kritahoy I have more and more conviction that everything's coming from Krishna I'm being maintained by Krishna I am being protected by Krishna Every my parents they're uh, just the f face of Krishna in my life the way he's uh, appeared to me and uh, this is uh, Sarva Karma Kritahoy, and it's like everything comes from the holy name. Everything comes from uh, serving Krishna. This is the, the, uh, the thickening of the Shraddha. And one begins to get ruchi. The, the nectar begins to flow into one's life from the practice of devotional service. That thickens more. And from ruchi asakti asakti means that one's mind doesn't want to go to anything else and uh, the other things of the world i have to tear myself away from devotional service to attend to other things because uh, that's my one fixation that's my main fixation in life tasmat ekena manasa bhagavan sattvatam pati shrotavya kirtitavyascha deya pujascha nityada this is the advice of Sutta Goswami. He said, "Get like, become like this. Become totally fixed on devotional service as the panacea, as the only object of my life, which is um, this mood of asakti, that I'm fully dedicated. There's no other distraction whatsoever. And I don't hear the noise of the material world anymore. I've lost interest in the material world. Would you like one of these? No, I'm not interested just not interested anymore. And then that thickens into bhava, and at which time 
uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu tells Sanatana Goswami, the heart softens and there's a ray of the internal potency that touches my heart, which softens it. And the mellows means the, the tastes of my relationship with Krishna begin to awaken within my heart at that time. And then bhava thickens even more into prema. And there are many, many different manifestations of bhava and prema. And there are symptoms mentioned by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu about this uh, bhava. Shantir avyarta kalatvam viraktir anyashuyata. Uh, he, he describes how one becomes forgiving of the uh, conditions of life, whatever happens. Uh, he's tolerant, forgiving. Avyarta kalatvam doesn't want to waste any time. Viraktir uh, anyashuyata. Manashunyata, there's a manashunyata. I no longer think I'm the center of attention. I'm centered on Krishna's enjoyment, not on my own enjoyment and being in the center of everything. And also, viraktir, um, I'm uh, detached. I've lost interest in the in the material world. <laughs> I'm no, I'm not interested anymore. And then uh, asabanda, there's great hope that I'll advance in devotional service. There's um, a taste for chanting the holy name of the Lord, for hearing uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, and for living in the the uh, the holy doms. It's like that's where I want to be, and if I can't be there physically, I'm always there mentally. I'm I'm meditating on the holy dom. I'm on parikram of the holy dom, and so forth. And these are uh, natural evolutions of one whose heart changes into bhava and becomes affected by the internal energy. Krishna descends and touches one's heart with the ray of the internal energy through the association of guru and sadhus. And then prema uh, manifests as the, as the flower, as the end result of the plant. It opens up into a beautiful flower. So prema is like the opening of that flower. So um, keep at it. That's the point. Um, be patient. You have to be tolerant when you're when you're going through the stages because the result is sure and certain, Prabhupada says. But he says also in the light of the Bhagavad text number forty two that you should not take this as a plaything. And uh, as you invest, as you said yes, should I practice harder rounds? No harm in that. And uh, at the same time that you're doing it, be very patient. Because you should understand that the result comes when it comes. Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says, when you're chanting, the fruit of your chanting comes like a, a fruit on a tree. I planted a lot of uh, plants this year, and uh, they take a while for the fruit to appear. I have to take care of them for for several months before they even show that they're going to give any fruit. What to speak of a tree? You have to wait years before it grows up, and then it's able to give the fruit. So. Be patient and know that it's definitely coming and try to avoid offenses. That's the other way that you speed up the process. Besides learn, leaning into it harder, you can also uh, make sure, have, make your eyes train to spot offenses and uh, become very unoffensive to, um, to devotees, to other living beings, to the environment and so on. And that speeds everything up. Okay, Srivatsa Prabhu? Oh, so yes, thank you. Okay, Hare Krishna. Thank you for the nice question. Maharaj, can I ask a follow up on this theme, please? If it's okay. Yes, yes. 
So this was about this theme that you mentioned about uh, how the faith thickens um, and that pratyaksha, that pratyaksha, you see, see that it is working for you and you mentioned about the different stages, how we progress, right? Um, my, my, my predicament currently is that uh, of faith dilute as well the other way, because when you see that anarthanivritti should happen, right? But I am at this process, but still I get into fits of anger, rage. Just today I had a nasty fight with my father and uh, then actually, I, then it kind of exposed to me, oh, I'm still actually so far away, so, so far away from this entire thing. Is this working for me at all? What else I should do? Um, so can you, I mean, you did cover it uh, partly when you said keep at it, but I was hoping if you can give some more encouragement or way to actually just sustain this thing and not actually get uh, diluted if it's possible. Well, one point is the fact that you noticed it and lamented about it afterwards, that you, that you became angry, is bringing the light of consciousness to the to the anger. In other words, if you were just angry and you didn't care, because that's just the way it is, that's just the way I am, uh, you wouldn't be able to objectify it and say, oh, the energy of anger, I was affected by that Rajas Thomas energy, and therefore I got animated. So one has to objectify it and start to see that these are energies moving through my my uh, chitta, they're vrittis actually, they're uh, currents that are going through and disturbing my, my mind. And so through swadhyaya, study of the scripture, through chanting japa, through duharinam, association with devotees and, and so forth, you should observe, uh, Krishna says, the lower self should um, be conquered by the higher self. He says, Evam budi param budva samsta vyatmanamatmana jahi shatrum mahabaho kama rupam dura, durasadam. In the beginning, before you, you have this um, complete purification, he says you should notice, you should fortify your intellect, your intelligence, and uh, develop vivek or discrimination to see what is you and what are the lower energies that are affecting your consciousness. And by that, he says, buddhi, evam buddhi param buddhva, samstab yatmanamatmana. You're able to conquer the lower self by the higher self by using your intelligence in the beginning. So fortify your intelligence to understand that anger is the destructive energy and that you should practice tolerance and forbearance in the face of provocation, especially from your family. <laughs> and uh, be tolerant. Actually, in the Grahasta ashram, any ashram for that matter, as we interact with people, there's a room for agitation, cause for agitation, because we're different living entities, we move in different ways and so forth. So it's a good opportunity to practice. As Saide Prabhu likes to say, your mate is your mirror. And uh, you can see where you're at. So take that and analyze it and see, you know, what just happened there. And prepare yourself for the next time. And Krishna says, learn how to tolerate. You have to practice tolerating. And when you do tolerate, you'll notice 
wow i did i i i still i feel better actually and uh, the situation didn't explode because i took a step back from it and taking a step back really is the product of uh, satvagun also being able to objectify and see the difference between myself and the energy of anger and then you can rise above it so the best way really is to get accustomed to constantly chanting and fortify yourself by that and also uh, be ready for circumstances where you may be agitated i remember i got angry once when i was distributing books at the airport and uh i i I was frustrated and then I, I analyzed it afterwards. First of all, right after I got angry at somebody, there, nobody else wanted to stop and talk to me. They had no idea that I had become angry at somebody, but they saw it in my face. They could feel the energy. And I, I noticed that. And then I, I saw it doesn't really pay to become <laughs> angry at all. And then I started thinking, you know, where did that come from? And I analyzed myself that I had a fruitive idea that uh, I, I wanted this person to take a book. He wouldn't take a book. He was nasty to me and so forth. And the reason was I was um, seeking a reward, award-seeking mentality that I have to get what I want. And that, that's the product of the mode of passion. So then I, I started thinking about well, I won't be in that mode anymore. I, I'll just do my duty and whatever happens, happens. And so these incidents, when they happen, if you analyze them and then you prepare yourself for the next time and you practice, even if you fail a few times, at least you can analyze it. Then you'll become uh, much better. You'll become stronger at tolerating. So the next time someone says something to you or does something you don't like, they didn't close the refrigerator, at night and everything uh, melted and so what do you do so who cares you know it's just just uh you know you can replace it to close the refrigerator and start over again um and see what happens and practice Hare krishna thank you okay let's see um Sachinanda Nimai Prabhu said, uh, Prabhupada was against westernization, not modernization. <laughs> a good way to put it. Uh, Sukeshri, uh, can any living entity, when completely surrender, surrendered, become a Shaktivesh avatar in his next life? Why next life? You can become in this life. Krishna Shakti Vina Nahi Tavar Pravartana. Um, Balaba said to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that uh, anyone who's spreading Krishna consciousness, they are, they are a kind of a Shaktivesh avatar because it's all dependent on Krishna Shakti. Uh, so even in this life, if, if someone surrenders, for instance, what you're doing, distributing Bhagavatams, nobody can do that. When we were in the airports, I remember all the time we were, we were young people and we were selling books like anything, like hotcakes. And uh, businessmen used to come up to us all the time and say, here's my card. If you ever want a real job, you come see me. <laughs> we'll pay you for this. And uh, they couldn't imagine how we were out selling religious books to people in, in airports. So to one degree or another, anybody who's practicing Krishna consciousness, what to speak of spreading it to others, 
is some kind of a shaktivesh because they're getting the shakti from Krishna. It doesn't it doesn't come from the material world, it comes from Krishna. Uh here's an anonymous. Uh-oh, let's see what the question is. How do you deal with family members not listening to you, even if it's good for them? Well, that's that opens up a big topic here. Um <clears throat> It's a matter of really um, how we communicate. Sometimes the people that we're closest to in proximity, in family, and so forth become the least receptive to, because of familiarity. So you have to tolerate that and also um, learn what motivates people. Just telling them to do something doesn't necessarily mean they're going to do it. But if you um, communicate with them openly, and find out what motivates them, then you can get them to do something uh, that's good for them or good for the family. So you're saying, uh, how do you deal with family members that don't listen to you? Are you listening to them? Sometimes listening is the best way to get people to do something because they make their own conclusions. For instance, in counseling, counselors have to be good listeners. Because a lot of time, living entities are smart and they come to their own conclusions. And if you listen, instead of telling people, oh, you should do this or that, you'll notice if you listen carefully, they'll work it out for themselves. Say, you know, yeah, I'm going through this and that. And I was really thinking that I should do this about it. And you're like, yeah, that's a good idea. Why don't you do it? <laughs> that's the extent of your counseling. So try listening more and, and find out why people are engaging in some sort of behavior that you don't like. Madhava Prema, uh, with a reflection, I really like the excerpt Nambina Kichu Nahiko Aro Choda Bhuvanamaje from the song Udila Aruna by Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. There is nothing but the holy name to be had in the 14 worlds. Yep, one stop shopping, everything available. You don't have to go anywhere else. Just be fully uh, absorbed in that. And one of the um, one of the mystic powers that one develops. Uh, Patanjali says from practicing the yamas and niyamas. You know, there's altogether there's ten yama niyamas, five and five. So one of them is asteya, no stealing. And by the way, Patanjali said these are non-negotiable. Everyone has to follow these. It doesn't matter where you live, where you come from, <laughs> what family you're born in. You could be a king. You still have to follow the yamas and niyamas in order to be successful in controlling the mind. So one of them is no stealing. Asteya means uh, taking other people's property. And he says that it, physically taking it or in your mind taking it, say, I want that for myself. But he says if you can overcome asteya or stealing, then the mystic power that, that you develop is that everything you need just comes to you automatically. You don't have to ask for it. It just comes naturally into your life. So everything is coming from Krishna. Bhakti Kamala said, I'm being maintained by Sri Krishna. This is pure nectar. My main fix in life is to serve and be fixed in devotional service. Nice. Then we have a question from Mukharavinda. Could you please share practical ways to meditate on the Dham? Well, um, one way is to sing songs about the Dham. There are... Uh, Songs that uh, glorify the different places and describe how beautiful it is. For instance, uh, and there's prayers to live in the Dom, like, but be careful because it'll actually, you'll end up there. Of course, you already are there, it looks like, in Govardhan. 
but there are prayers by Raghunath das, das Goswami that please let me live in the Dom. And this yearning to live in the Dom is non-different from living in the Dom. Prabhupada wrote, wrote this in a letter. He said the desire for pure devotional service is non-different from devo pure devotional service. And the desire to live in the Dom is, is the same as living in the Dom. So the, the, the great Vaishnava Acharyas, they sing songs like Raghunath Das Goswami's uh, glorification of Govardhan and saying, oh, you know, please give me residence there. If you sing that or other songs like that regularly, then uh, you'll, you'll um, fan the spark of that desire. And, uh, and not only that, you'll end up there. Krishna will put you right there because yanti deva vrta devan pitran yanti pratirvata bhutani yanti bhuteja yanti mam yajino bhimam. Krishna says, if you want to be relocated, leave it to me. I'll take care of it. Just tell me where you want to go. <laughs> the problem is I want to go to hell. So uh, Krishna says, okay, too bad. I don't want you to go to hell, but because you want to go so bad, here you go. Here's hell for you. And uh, if you can cultivate the desire to go to the Dham by association with sadhus who have a love for the Dham, actually it says the Dham is in their heart. They are tirtas. Tirta kurvanti tirtani swantak stena gadabrata. Yudhishthir glorifies Vidura said, you are the Dham. Wherever you go, you're carrying it. So if you get association with devotees who, whose uh, life and soul is the Dham, they, they carry it in their heart. They have the internal energy there. Then what happens is then you develop that desire. And if you desire it, then Krishna says, oh, you can come to me because it's all based on your desire. He's just fulfilling that desire, whatever it is. Whatever it may be, he fulfills it. Thanks, Bukharvin, a nice one. Anonymous, uh-oh, here comes another anonymous one. These are heavy. What helps a sadhaka go over Narta Nivriti to come to Nishta. Uh, there are um, 12 items that help you pass over the uh, Anartha Nivriti and come to Nishta. So these are listed in the Upadesha Amrita. It starts with Utsahan, it starts with uh, Atyahara Prayashascha, Prajalpo Niyamagraha, Janashangas Jalalyamcha, Shadbir. Exactly, exactly. Not only the karma is. That uh, there are six items for crossing Nishta that you, you should uh, avoid, and there are six items for uh, coming to Nishta that you should take up. And the uh, first one, Atyahara, Ati means extreme, Anahara means eating. So extreme eating or extreme collecting. This is uh, one of the things that help, holds you back, so don't do that. Prayashascha, prajalpa, niyamagraha. Then uh, hankering for material things, uh, speaking prajalpa, um, following the rules and regulations just for following them uh, and without knowing what they mean or giving them up. Uh, associating with worldly-minded people, this is poison. Janashangash. People, they like the material world, and if you hang out with them, you'll start liking it again, too. Janashangash Jalalyam Cha. These are the six items to avoid. And then, Utsahan Nishchaya You should have enthusiasm. You should have determination and patience. 
tat tat karma pravartanat. You should perform the varied activities of devotional service. You should um, give up the association of of uh, worldly minded people. Tat tat karma pravartanat sangha tyagat satovrite shadbir bhakti prasiddhiti, and you should follow in the footsteps of the great acharyas. So if you if you catalog these and you organize your life around these uh, twelve do's and don'ts, then you'll come to the platform of Nishta. And also hearing sufficiently, because as you know from the progression of verses in the Bhagavatam, you go from uh, Anartha Navriti all the way to Nishta and then Bhava and Prema by hearing the Bhagavatam. And that, uh, I won't say all the verses because you all know them all, but uh, it starts with Shushu, Shrosha, Dhanasya, Vasudeva, Katarichi, then Nashta, Prayusha, Badrishu, then Srimvatam Svakata Krishna, and then Tada Rajastamo Bhava, Kamalubha. And then all these verses, they talk about a progression, and that's why Prabhupada included them in his prayers on the Jaladuta, and he includes them in various purports, like in 7 1 in the Bhagavad Gita, where Krishna says, You'll come to know everything and come to the perfect stage by hearing. Touch Srinu, just hear from me. And this is all a progressive path, Anukramishrati. Let Satam Prasangam, Mamavirya Samvido, Bhavanti Hritkarna Rasayana Kata, Taj Joshanad Ashwa Pavargavartmani, Shradaratir Bhaktira Nukramishrati. Step by step, you will come to this platform of Nishta, then Ruchi, then Asakti, then Prema by uh, the process of hearing in the association of uh, like minded devotees. And if you continue to do that, uh, as we always say at our sessions at Govardhan Hill, we read for five hours, and at the end of the day, he said, sorry, the damage is done. It can't be taken back. <laughs> the damage to my material attachments has been uh, done. It's a severe thrashing. Uh, they've been weakened, and they will gradually all be destroyed by that process. So help yourself along by those 12 that we mentioned, and then hear uh, Srimad Bhagavatam and serve in the Association of Devotees. Well, guess what? We ran out the clock, and there's still a lot more um, on the on the board here that we missed. So, what should we do? We should end. Thank you, everybody. Can everyone please unmute and say Hare Krishna? Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. 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 Krishna.